on today's episode, we will be discussing the topics of coping mechanisms and support networks for racialized minorities within the engineering profession with special guest Jessica Vandenberg from the University of Alberta. Welcome to Exclusion, a podcast that explores all things equity, diversity, and inclusion in the workplace. Exclusion is brought to you by Canadian Equality Consulting and Biarg Consulting. Hey everyone, we're back from a bit of hiatus, but we're very excited to bring you some new episodes this year, so stay tuned for this one and many more to come. Hello everyone. Today's guest is Jessica Vandenberg, Assistant Dean Outreach and Industrial Professor, Indigenous Engineering for the University of Alberta Faculty of Engineering. Our discussion today will focus on Jessica's experience as a racialized minority in STEM, from coping mechanisms to professional women's networks. And I'm sure, Jessica, there's a ton of other things we can talk to you about as well, but I know we get a short amount of time, so that'll be our main focus. And as always, in the spirit of respect, reciprocity, and truth, we acknowledge that this podcast is being recorded on the traditional territories and oral practices of the Treaty 7 region in southern Alberta, home to the Blackfoot Confederacy, Siksika, Kanai, Pikani, the Stony Nakoda First Nations, Chiniki, Bearspaw, Wesley, and the Sutina, and Region 3 Métis Nation. We acknowledge all nations, Indigenous and non, who live, work, and play on these lands, and to all who assist in their stewardship for generations to come. Before we jump in, here's a bit of background about our guest. So Jessica has worked in the oil sands, mining, regulatory, infrastructure, and consulting industries. She holds a BSc in chemical engineering and an MSc in chemical and mining engineering, both from the University of Alberta. Her career has taken her to communities large and small around the nation, and she has sat on many boards and councils with stakeholders such as the federal, provincial, and municipal governments, with First Nations, Métis settlements, and Métis nations, as well as academic institutions and private industry. As a mother of two and an Indigenous female engineer, she is passionate about equity, diversity, and inclusion, along with truth and reconciliation. She is currently the Assistant Dean Outreach and Industry Professor, Indigenous Engineering at the University of Alberta, Faculty of Engineering, where she oversees a wide portfolio that contributes to the development of a well-rounded and ethically-minded engineering students who will ultimately help to build strong and vibrant communities in Canada. So thank you so much for joining us today, Jessica. You're welcome. It's always an honor to come and chat with folks about STEM and how we how I got to this point. Excellent. Thanks so much for joining us. So to kick it off, uh, Jessica, what made you interested in engineering? So for me, I grew up in rural Alberta. So I'm what's called a 60 scoop survivor. So uh, my birth parents are born from First Nations, a uh, First Nation up in Northern Alberta, um, but I was put into the foster adoption system and adopted at a young age and raised by a very inclusive German family. Um, And so growing up in rural Alberta, we didn't have a whole lot of exposure to a wide 
range of careers. Uh, we knew what we could see and, and what our families and friends uh, exposed us to. Um, but in grade 11, our chemistry teacher brought an engineer for career chat for our high school. And that's where I learned about engineering. And it sounded uh, intriguing. Um, and it sounded um, like something that I would like, because at that time, um, I was incredibly introverted, and I didn't really want to work too much with people. And so working with mechanisms and machines and processes sounded like it would fit my personality better. Mm, awesome. I get that. I'm also introverted. <laughs> what has sort of ignited your your passions throughout your career as an engineer? So um, what's really, really drives me about engineering that I really love is that you can combine creativity with the, with the technical math and science and challenge. Um, growing up on a farm, we had a very strong work ethic. We worked quite a bit. Um, and my mom was a, a good model of just continual learning. Um, she was always learning something. Um, she uh, was very religious, so she read a lot around the Bible, and she read a lot of books. She decided to teach herself Spanish. She had the foresight in the 1980s um, to get us a computer, and she made us learn how to type <laughs> in the middle in the middle of rural Alberta. She made us type every day so we could practice that. Um, and so this idea of continual learning, of wanting to continually improve, is is something that's in me, along with a good work ethic. And I grew up with a passion for creating. I love to paint and um, play music and and do these types of things. Um, but I know a good living also comes from a, a professional type of career path. And But engineering allows me to be creative in a way of uh, coming up with different ideas, out of the box thinking, designing things in different ways. Um, and that to me is incredibly appealing. Amazing. Um, what has helped to kind of guide your path throughout your career? Because you've it, your career has led you to so many different uh, experiences. Um, what has guided me is is definitely following my gut, following my passions. Um, as mentioned, um, it didn't it didn't really occur to me that I was a minority group until I started working in the profession. So growing up, that was something that was never brought to my attention because engineering was never brought to my attention. It was a very invisible profession. So, you know, my family never said, oh, you know, you'll be one of few females in this profession. Um, you should be careful of that. No, no one ever said anything like that until I started working. Um, I didn't, that, that didn't really sink in. Um, but then that passion for, advocating for uh, minority groups and encouraging folks into the STEM professions is something that uh, has driven me for sure. And it's definitely something where I know the capabilities there. I see so many smart and strong and capable women. I see so many smart and capable and strong Indigenous people, um, people of all different ethnic backgrounds, um, and I think there's a, a place and a role for everyone within the STEM careers. Just from everything you've just said, there's so many great things in there. Your mention of, of um, having an engineer come and talk to you. I know with AWSN, um, we really pride ourselves on our Operation Minerva program, for example, where we pair the mentors and, and the youth. And then just speaking about all your different backgrounds, and this kind of leads us to our next questions we had for you. Because over the past year, our listeners have heard a lot about this discussion of intersectionality. 
And um, I see so much of what you've said in all the different intersections that you hold in your, your, your heart and within yourself. So what does that word mean to you and, um, and that term in general? To me, intersectionality is all the different hats that you wear. Um, like I can wear my mom hat or my auntie hat. I can wear my um, engineer hat. I can wear um, being a, a woman professional. I can be indigenous. I can be adopted. Like there, I play the accordion. I can wear my accordion hat. Like there, there's so many different hats that person can wear. But I know for me, um, part of how I um, make it through life in a good way is to live through balance. Um, the balance of the medicine wheel really speaks to me, balancing mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual health. And so in order to find balance, you need to live authentically, no matter what room you walk in. And so for me, intersectionality is about being proud of your identity and being able to walk into any room authentically. Awesome. I really like that. And that kind of leads me into my next question I had here, because when you take that, that full being of yourself, what would you like us to know about your learnings as an experience as a racialized minority within the STEM fields and beyond? I'm sure there's ways that, that this is an enhanced what you've done and how you've worked. Can you tell us a little bit about that, maybe? Definitely. Um, I think about that a lot because I do a lot in the truth and reconciliation area. Um, as Indigenous people in this country, um, there's still a lot of injustice and, and inequities that occur, all the way from um, just unconscious bias to full-on racism and experiences that happen to us regularly. Um, so can, as, as a country, we still have a ways to go, um, but we still have quite a bit of freedom here. I want to make sure that's acknowledged too, compared to some different countries out in the world where sexualism and um, racism is a lot more rampant than here. But for me, I think what has helped me along the way is having to deal with this since I was a, a kid, because I, I was one of very few Indigenous people in my communities. And you always knew, I always knew when, uh, when I didn't belong, um, this feeling around you that, you know, um, no one, no one took me out back and beat me up or anything like that. But it was a exclusion. It was a feeling of exclusion. You know, no one playing with me on the playground or, you know, not being invited to birthday parties or whatever it was. Right. Um, and you always wondered why, and you wondered if it was at the core of you. Um, but what helped me is is we actually moved, and I changed schools. Um, and I met um, a girl who became a, a good friend of mine along the way. We've drifted apart since then, but she always walked her own path. And I said, that's what I have to do. I need to um, not let these things affect me. I need to not personalize them. And I need to just walk my own way without, well, Learn, learning how to support yourself and, and letting some of these things roll off your back. So I, I learned how to do that at, at a young age. And I know there's words for some of these things nowadays, things like imposter syndrome, right? Um, and, and how did I work through that? You just build confidence in small ways. Um, but it's one of those things too, that eventually you just have to find value in, in yourself and you have to be able to be comfortable to be able to talk about it. I spent a lot of time, as mentioned earlier, um, I was incredibly introverted, but so I spent a lot of time learning how to comfortably public speak. And that, you know, that takes decades. 
<laughs> to get to that. I mean, it's the the biggest fear in the world um, over that of death, right? It's it's uh, it's a big fear. So I've been consciously working on that, and I still work on that. So it's just building confidence in small ways. So this kind of ties into, in general, what kind of advice can you give? for anyone who maybe can find themselves as underrepresented in their non-traditional roles, whether that be maybe at work or the university or just in your community? For sure. The biggest advice I'd give is is to find support. Um, And and that's either finding um, people who are also like you or finding mentors or both of those things. This really struck me when I had children because um, out of my friend group, um, we were we were kind of the first to have children. Um, and so, you know, I couldn't find really any empathy in, in the group that I had. So I needed to find other people. Um, and so then, you know, you think to yourself, there's millions of people in this world. Somebody has been through this. And so <laughs> you you go out and search out people who have been through it and, and you form different support groups. So, you know, I have support groups for um, being a, a woman leader in in the male-dominated engineering profession. I have a support group for being an Indigenous adopted person. I have one for, um, I'm now divorced, for, for single parents, um, working parents and working moms. I have one for just, you know, some days you just need one for just empathy <laughs> or you can just complain. <laughs> and and uh, you just build these supports around you. And for me, um, mentorship is a big part of that. So uh, I'm glad for the things that your organization does for mentorship. Excellent. So building building on that, what advice can you give to, to each of us to foster um, and encourage equity, diversity, and inclusion uh, in the workplace? And then also any advice you have for like in university settings? For sure. The biggest things is taking a hard look at yourself. Um, growing up in rural Alberta as well, um, I came away with a lot of stereotypes just because um, it was built into the community that I grew up in a little bit in the family that I had, you know, you just, they, they, they just surround you. Um, but until you walk in different worlds, till you travel, till you talk with other people, you don't always realize it. And it's hard some days to, to face that mirror or you like, Oh, I can't believe I said or did that at one time. Um, and that I thought that was okay. And so it's this humility teaching um, that is so important to be able to look at yourself and say, yeah, there's things that, um, you know, I want to change or things that I want to resolve or or things that I want to um, do better so I can walk in a good way. And so getting to a place of inclusion starts with taking a hard look at yourself to understand your own biases um, and your own, your own, um, behaviors and, and thought patterns. And, and it's a hard thing. Um, I mean, a lot of our neuropaths are locked in when we're very little. So it, it does take a very concentrated effort. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Along the way, what supports have you had? And how did you find them? And you mentioned about the importance of kind of finding that the community. So I'd love to hear more about about that. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, I've been on my own. I moved out when I was 17 to head off to university. Um, and it, the university was not in my community that I grew up in. So I've been out on my own um, since then. And, and then it's just searching out like-minded people. And it's, you know, people often ask me that, like, how do you build and maintain relationships? And, and I don't know how to explain it. 
<laughs> and it seems it always strikes me as you know you just talk to somebody <laughs> and you know you just keep talking with them and you check in on them and you follow up on them but it, it is something that that I've learned that it is a, a bit of an art form but it is building relationships and maintaining those relationships uh, and just being being a good person and just being kind, right, to, and generous and compassionate. Um, those things always get me through anything. Um, and then I find what you bring into a room is what you get out of a room, right? So if if you walk into a room with the approach of curiosity and compassion, that's what you're going to get out of it. But if you walk into a room angry and um, upset, like that, that's what you're going to get out of it. Mm, great perspective. Has mentorship or, or sponsorship played a played a role in your in your life? It has for sure, definitely. Um, my first kind of career was in the oil sands as a senior researcher, um, and I worked in that for about a decade um, in a research facility. And I had eight leaders in ten years, um, so it was a high rate wow. of. Um, but for me, it actually, looking back, um, it was a good thing. Because, again, I was very introverted and very shy um, because of the way um, I grew up. I I had a bit of a fear of authority. um, And so it took a while to learn and practice how to talk with a a leader. Um, You know, I remember um, sometimes like just just going in their office would just cause such great fear um, in me that, you know, sometimes I had to go out and cry it out. (laughs) Because it, it just, it was so much fear <laughs> that was in there. But the thing about eight leaders in 10 years is I had a chance to practice and practice and practice and, and think about, well, okay, that didn't work. Let's try it again. <laughs> and and I also learned that you have to take your career in your own hands, that each new leader coming in um, doesn't know what you want. And so it's learning to talk about, you know what, I, I want to be on this project or I want to be a leader of this or, you know, in five years, this is where I want to be and being able to talk about that. And, and like so many STEM professionals, or fem- especially female STEM professionals, you've had quite the jungle gym of careers, right, versus the traditional ladder. And did you feel that you seeked that, or did it kind of come naturally, or did you have to find something in yourself that kind of led you to another path? Um, there's always a combination of things why you choose to leave an organization. And so some of it... Um, when I think through the changes that I've done, some of it is because of leadership. I didn't agree with the leadership and my values no longer aligned. Some was that I wanted a different challenge. Sometimes I wanted to lead a group of people um, and be an example of what I think good leadership is. Some of it was um, opportunities to create influence and change. Um, And some of it was working um, the things that I'm passionate about into my paid job. So truth and reconciliation work, university equity, inclusion, and decolonization being that part of my portfolios. And so it's, it's always a combination of things that motivate me for change to, to look for, to look for other opportunities. Mm -hmm. And that's amazing. And um, we also heard that you recently started your own podcast. Um, So we'd love to, to learn more about, about that and where, where we could find it. For sure. Yeah, definitely. So um, when I worked at APEGA, I worked with a, a fellow named George Lee. He was the editor for APEGA for many years. Um, and he has since left the organization as a buy. Um, but we kept in touch. And one day George came up to me and said, I have this great idea. 
<laughs> and he, he's such a character. Um, and you, and if you listen to the podcast, you'll hear it on there. And he said, I, I want to do something for truth and reconciliation. He said, I'm a settler man. Um, and I've been listening to these um, podcasts and listening to these programs and reading these books. And, you know, I want to do something. He said, I, I want to do a podcast. He said, will you co-host? And I said, yes. <laughs> and we've been exploring it since then. So it's called Unsettled Journeys in Truth and Conciliation. And it's available wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and we've been very deliberate about how this whole thing has developed. Um, and the intention of it is, that is to provide exposure um, both to Indigenous people and their journeys, but also to settler peoples who are um, great allies and have a great empathy and have learned how to walk with Indigenous peoples and communities. And so um, George and I um, have, have launched this. Our first season is about to wrap up. And our second season, we're in the planning stages for that, about uh, going to launch that out in the fall. So have you found that this is a, a place that you can, I, I guess my, my question was more like, do you find that when you do do things like this, that that there's a chance to learn things there and incorporate back into your work? I know Marcy and I, that's why we started our podcast, right? Was because it was a way for us to explore ideas and and maybe to look at a subject that's uh, not happening in the corporate world, for example. So have you found some some lessons there that you can incorporate in life, I guess, or in work? Yeah, 100%. Like, uh, I, like, I love it, because you get to have conversations with guests, and and you get to pick their brains and, and listen to just some incredible stories, um, and strengthen relationships. Um, like relationships can always be strengthened. Um, and I've learned so much from it, for sure. And it does complement uh, the work that I'm passionate about. I have also my own consultancy firm called uh, Guiding Star Consultants, where we do truth and reconciliation work and walk with different um, groups in order to um, bring people together and reciprocity to move forward together. Um, and so the, the podcasts allow, um, allow us to explore different topic areas that's both applicable uh, in my role as assistant dean of outreach but also for my consultancy i know we could talk forever but we're trying to compact this within our 30 minutes i want to thank you so much for joining us today uh before we go is there anything else you wanted to discuss with our listeners or let them know any other projects you've been involved with lately or maybe on the um on the stem side or um any groups that you're working with right now for sure. So definitely um, at the University of Alberta, we're always working on exciting things that uh, are focused and have a foundation of diversity, equity and inclusion. Um, our discovery organization, which is our K-12 youth uh, outreach, is focused on engineering. Um, we do in-person summer camps on campus when COVID allows. Um, we do remote camps reaching um, over 85 different remote Indigenous communities in the north. Because of COVID, they've also um, piloted and um, are planning to make part of their regular services um, engineering activity boxes um, between the ages, uh, kind of for the ages of K to um, grade nine. So there's five different boxes available um, featuring different role models in them, featuring different activities, encouraging diversity in STEM, as well as we are getting ready to launch our um, newest program, which is called Engineering Connects. And so it's a community immersion program. 
Um, and what it is is placing students into communities so that they can learn a set of complementary skills to their technical um, academic kind of programming. And so they're going to learn um, ways of doing proper engagement and consultation, working with different diversity, diversity groups of people, um, working with different ethnicities. We're focusing on two communities for very long-term relationships. So we're working with Fort Chippewan in the north, and that relationship um, is still under development, as well as the Alberta Avenue District here in Edmonton. So two very different experiences for students. Um, and we have completed um, or have underway a number of projects with the Alberta Avenue area right now. Um, and we're so excited to launch this program where it's built on Indigenous ways of knowing, being, relating and doing, um, and very much um, tries to build those values of diversity and inclusion within the students. Fantastic. And and for our listeners, don't worry, we will make sure we put lots of links on here because I know you definitely wear a lot of hats, Jessica. <laughs> so we will make sure we include that all within our resource section. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Even though I know this was a really quick chat amongst three of us, and I'm sure we could be on here for a really long ta- time discussing all these. Um, though it's really great that our listeners can um, listen to your podcast as well to learn more about your background and, and some of the things that you're working on. I I did take a I write down a few quick takeaways from from the episode. Some of the ones I want to highlight is just that emphasis on that intersectionality, how we are all as individuals wear many different hats and there's so many different parts of ourselves uh, that make us who our identity is. And um, sometimes I think we forget that. And I think sometimes we even forget how um, the little parts of us make so much of us and influence um, who we are and how we can be our authentic self. And I thank you for reminding us that because I think that's that's one of the biggest things that we try to to teach with equity, diversity, inclusion is the creation of the space where we can each be our authentic self of all of our identities, of all of our backgrounds, all of our lived experiences. So thank you so much for that. Um, and to remind everybody that life is a journey and that we can have so many different paths and life is a jungle gym, not a ladder, right? And uh, thank you for sharing with us some of the paths you've taken um, and different ways you've made the decisions to, to take those paths. And thank you for giving back. I love to hear the story that you know, an engineer came to your classroom and uh, that that changed your potential life path. Right. So it shows how we as adults can be um, can put positive influence in the next generation. And uh, and I know that you're giving back like that as well. So thank you for that full circle. Marcy, was there anything else that we should mention? Any takeaways you found? I think that sounds amazing. I'm just kind of blown away by your courage and um, resilience and initiative and in, in starting these incredible programs for youth as well. So we'll we'll definitely put in links and 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 help spread the word in our resource section as well. And I'm sure we will continue to find ways to all work together. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. And, and thanks so much for we'll... thanks so much for the opportunity. I can definitely the only way we all move forward is for us to all work together. Right. Well, we, we're glad we got to, we've been working on this for six months. So, <laughs> thank, you <for> your patience. <laughs> so yeah. thank you for that. And, and yes, yeah, sorry, listeners, it's been a little while since we recorded. So uh, <laughs> this, we're excited. This will be an, a, a good first back 
and I'm in quite a bit of a hiatus. So thank you for getting us back into the groove. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much, Jessica. And, and um, also to our listeners, don't forget to check out the resources section of the podcast to find uh, all the references and information from this episode. Once again, uh, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Buzzsprout. And please hit subscribe to be notified when a new episode is released. And let's continue the conversation. Uh, Let us know what you think. Send us some questions. You can find us, um, our podcast, on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. And Jessica, whereabouts can we find some of you? I know you yourself are on a few of these platforms, plus your also your podcast. Do you want to do a shout out for yourself on a few different platforms? For sure. Definitely. I'm on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook as well. Um, And the podcast, uh, again, is anywhere you find your podcast. So Spotify, Buzzsprout, um, all the all the providers. Perfect. And well, once again, we will put that in our resource section. So thank you, everybody. And uh, until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.